Today's guest on the show is Josh Baldovino. He's a good friend of mine based in San Jose, California. And Josh has a really cool story. He got started real estate investing about 12 months ago. And he was able to jump from the education phase to taking action in just a few short months and has come incredibly far in just a year. And his story... It's just really cool to talk to him today, and I think everyone is really going to enjoy the show. Uh, Josh is killing it not only in real estate, but in the social media space and all things personal branding and marketing. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. So really, today's going to be more of a real estate-centric uh, podcast because that's really the vessel that you've chosen to pursue financial independence. And I want to talk a little bit about that. So let's start off by talking about why did you get into real estate? And then also, you're in the Columbus, Ohio market. You're also in a couple of other markets. We can talk about that later. But why did you choose that market? And also, why did you choose real estate? So why real estate? Um, and I think everyone, when you initially think of a real estate investor, you think of you know your big tycoons, your Grant Cardones, your Donald Trumps, right? You, the, the guys that have millions and billions of dollars. Um, and I never knew it was possible just for an average Joe to get into real estate investing. Hmm. Um, it wasn't until I had, when I was living in Hawaii and I was doing CrossFit, I had a buddy in CrossFit named Travis who was, you know, and I don't want to sound in, you know, degrade anything or, or make it sound like he's just also a normal guy, but he's a normal guy who worked at a bank. Um, and he was about my age, also has a young child. And he was doing uh, remote investing from Hawaii with just your average financial analyst job at a bank. Um, and all of a sudden, he started posting, hey, I just bought a house in Tennessee. Hey, two months later, I bought a duplex. I bought a fourplex. And all of a sudden, he bought like 16 units within the course of a year. And I was like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> like, no offense, but how did you do this? Yeah, right? Like that's, that's a lot of doors. And he was kind of breaking it down. And he showed me that it was possible just for your normal average salary mm. um, to now buy real estate. And so um, I knew that it was powerful. I just didn't realize that it was attainable. Um, and when was that in Hawaii? What that's year? the first part. When? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was, I would guess maybe a little over two, maybe a year and a half ago, I would say is when, um, I had a chat with him, um, and just kind of picked his brains. Um, I did send him wine afterwards, right. As a thank you gift for the information. Um, <laughs> that's a good one, but that's when it really snowballed and it started. Yeah. So how um, long after that th first interaction with your friend, Travis, you learned about it. You saw him kind of putting his money where his mouth is per se. How long after that, that you're like, wow, if this guy can do it, so can I. How long did it take you to do that first deal? So that was probably, I want to say like fall of 20. Gosh, what year is it? COVID messes you all up, you know? Definitely. Um, I'd say it's probably two months after, two or three months after, you know, and I was kind of doing a little bit more research that I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, um, you know, they just had a baby. They have X amount of doors. His wife no longer needs to work because the income from the rental properties now replaces her W2. Wow. And at that point she was like, I'm all in. What do we have to do? What a great selling um, point. And then that was no, what was that? What a great selling point. 
Oh, yeah, that that's what immediately like made her on board. Um, and then and it's also just because like we were going through a move, had some difficult times after we moved back from Hawaii to find a job. Hmm. Um, and and, you know, both of us were dealing with bosses at the time that we didn't like. Hmm. Um, so that was, of course, a little external motivation to not be so reliant on that W-2 income, like everyone says. Yeah. Um, and then that was, you know, two months after talking to him, two months of learning. I think we read, like, between the both of us, my wife and I, we probably read, like, 20 books, wow. a million different podcasts. We immediately just switched everything. And that was November of last year. Um, and then we bought our first two houses in January of 2021. So two months after that. You guys are doing great, man. In Columbus, like, Ohio. That <laughs> is the hardest part to get someone to go from the knowledge and learning stage to actually taking action. Because anybody can pick up books and start listening to the podcast and get it, get excited, you know, and meet someone for coffee and, quote, pick their brain. But actually pulling the trigger and taking action is tough. And uh, that's that's awesome. You guys did it so quickly. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, we were highly motivated to, you know, find alternative solutions for us. And I think also, you know, n not only the job situation, but we want to stay in San Jose in the Bay Area. Um, and you know how expensive it is to be here, but we don't work in tech, right? So, you know, not only just being relied on the job, but just being able to it's not even keeping up with the Joneses. Like we are borderline. Like we just are above the poverty level for San Jose. Like, yeah. That's how crazy it is um, of, of what the average income is here. And to buy a house, you have to, they say to buy a house in San Jose, you should make at least joint or whatever it is, 250 K a year. Wow. And we are very far from that. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah. So insert real estate as a way for us to fill the gap because Unfortunately, I'm not an engineer. <laughs> you know, you said something too. You, you, you and Hannah, your wife, both had a pain point, and it was a job you didn't like, or it was a boss that you didn't like, and there was some strife there. And I think a lot of people that are in a situation like that, they just think, "Oh, wow, this sucks. I wish I could do something better." But re in reality, having that pain point, having a job that sucks, can actually be a really, really awesome catalyst to getting to your goals faster and quicker uh, than just the guy that already has everything he needs, has a good cushy job. Uh, that's great and all, but it's just kind of another way to another perspective to look at it. So something to be grateful for. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard that there's no growth and comfort. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what happened to us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's how it was for me. You know, my last year and a half in the Bay area, you know, I was traveling back and forth twice a week and that gets exhausting, but it also motivated me to really get it together and achieve financial independence as fast as humanly possible. And I'm grateful for having that, you know, that pain point that we just talked about. Okay. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. How you get started. Why Columbus, Ohio? There's so many other markets. Why not San Jose? Why not Hawaii? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, anyone who's done any amount of re research in how to cash flow in real estate, the number one thing you should Google is what markets cash flow, period, right? And even if you type that into Google, there are 100 million blogs, I'm like not even joking, that will list out 50 markets that cash flow, 
bigger pockets has like endless articles on it mash advisor whatever you use the front page of google read all of the front page of google and then from there columbus was a big outlier for all of them and a few other uh you know markets and actually one thing that we ended up doing was i spent 30 bucks well at this time now i spent more than 30 bucks on the bigger pockets pro membership but i was like hey heck whatever i'll just spend 30 bucks get the membership and at the time they had an article that said that had like the top 200 markets like analyzed and it was an excel download that if you were on the pro side you can get and it had what the rent to price ratio was, what the median house cost was, what the vacancy rates were, what, uh, I mean, it just had a bunch of data just all together. Um, and Columbus was on the top three of that list at the time. And so I picked the top three markets and I started to just reach out to property managers and agents. Um, and for whatever reason, I just ended up finding a team fastest that I liked in Columbus and I stuck with it. There was no real rhyme and reason about it. You know, it was just find a blog, now start to find a team and then now start to just analyze deals. Um, and all the markets worked, but the team yeah. is probably the most important part. Yeah, that's so true. And it comes down to that line that we've both heard many times. It's better that you decide than what you decide. And you made that decision mm -hmm. of Columbus and you just started building a team. And uh, I think that's the most important part. And so I think a lot of people that are looking to get started Maybe they're in the Bay Area or they're in an expensive West Coast market or, you know, somewhere like New York or Boston and they want to do out of state investing. They could they need to go back and listen to what you just said, because that's great advice. Really just Googling <laughs> and looking on websites like Bigger Pockets and looking at those metrics of price to rent ratio and vacancy rates. And um, yeah, that's that's great information. So, yeah, I mean, it's all there. And then. You know, one that that made real estate investing real for me was to be able to see my buddy Travis's actuals, right? And even as you talk about Airbnb too, it's the same thing when you look into a market like, hey man, are you actually making money? Like, yeah. And finding people who are willing to share those P and Ls, um, make it real. And then as you look and explore a market, the property managers will tell you this neighborhood you could expect to rent for this. Hmm. And you can also verify yourself on Zillow rent on apartments.com to see what listings are live, to see how much they can actually rent for. And if you just yep. do that a hundred times, I mean, I guess everything's all about a hundred, right? But <laughs> <laughs> uh, the numbers make sense. And then from there, you can hopefully have enough contingency just to, to try it out. Yeah. Yep. Um. And I'm sure, you know, with you, like for me, once I got that first rent check in and I said, oh, shoot, my mortgage was 600. My PITI is 600 bucks, but it's renting for 1350. Wow. Oh, this is real. That's <laughs> and after that, you know, I was like, OK. Yeah, I mean, it was and that was the 20 percent down rent ready deal. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a burr. Right. People would like shy away from that. But that was that was my gateway drug. Dude. I just think that first deal doesn't matter if you make a dollar or break even. The fact that you start building the that muscle memory and you start taking action and you start building the skills that actually matter so you can start succeeding and actually hit those home runs, you know, those full cash out burrs or, or whatever people are talking about. I see so many people get hung up on that first deal and they're like, oh, it's not a perfect burr. I'm going to have 10% dropped in. It's like, that's better than 25%. Who cares? So mm -hmm. 
Great job on just doing that. The no. 20% down. I think that's not talked about enough, just doing that. And especially, you can even make yeah. that work if you learn how to raise money. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I would say for any of the listeners, I tried to back out of that deal. Mm. Like that 20% yeah. down deal as I was, you know, closing. Uh, at the same time, a week later, so we got that deal locked up at the end of December. Uh, a week and a half later, I found a Burr property on Facebook group that I locked up hard money. Again, I've never have done a, done a deal before. And I was like calculating the numbers and I was like, oh, this could be a perfect Burr. It did end up being a perfect Burr. And at the same time, I still had this 20% down locked under contract. And I was telling my agent, I was like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. I only want burrs. I can't, I, I, I can't lock up $35,000, you know, forever. I, I can only do this, you know, one more time and then I'm done. Um, but I'm so glad they ended up talking me off the cliff, which was a really good, you know, agent to kind of be there emotionally for us. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, a year later, I'm so happy that we did that deal. Obviously, COVID appreciation was great. The cash flow was great. Um, and that property has not had one, one maintenance call this entire year. So, Let's talk about that really quick, and, and we'll continue on with where we're heading in that conversation. So you put the 20, 25% down, which you said was about 35 grand? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this yeah, is so a great Yeah, so 30 example. grand plus like 5K in like repairs. So what was it like 120, 150,000? What's that? Yeah, 100, yeah, 120K purchase. Okay, what do you think it's worth today? And it appraised for 120. What do you think it's worth today, 12 months later? Um, if I sold it as is, not did any work, I could probably get 175 for it now. So that burr, um, non-burr deal is becoming a burr deal. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm trying to think of at one point, am I going to cash out refi? Because I have so much spread in the, in the cash flow. And when can I cash out refi and then move it into a short-term rental or whatever yeah. it is? So that's, that's the beauty in you know, just doing that standard 20% down is that it is not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. But it's likely that every year it's going to appreciate a little bit. And something else I think about is whenever someone starts running numbers and like, well, it only cash flows a hundred dollars a month or 150 bucks a month. That's not worth my time. It's like, yeah, it only cash flows 150 bucks a month this year. But what about five years from now? And I think it's good to have that five, 10 year vision of, Hey, okay, that's cool. If I have 20 properties, but in, in 10 years, it's not going to be a hundred dollars a door. It might be 500 a door. And I don't think people really consider that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. And I remember seeing your TikTok on that. Actually, as I was <laughs> uh, two months in, I was like, dude, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. I need to be thinking about this more so just as that long-term play. Mm. Um, I think another benefit of, and again, in the Midwest, if you want to find a 20% down deal that is above the 1%, you can find that all day, right? A lot of people just want that perfect Burr home run deal. But imagine if you did that first deal and all of a sudden they gave you the confidence, you got the team, and now all of a sudden you can bring on partners yes. that could now bring the, bring, the, bring the down, take the loan, and you're in deals for no money down. Um, but it's just because you made that first step and you're not so hung up on that home run. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. I talk to people so. all the time that like they want to get started and then before you know it, 
there's someone I've been talking to that, that it's been already a year since we've started talking and they're still looking for that deal. And I'm like, dude, just, just do something. Like, I don't care if you got to put 30% down. It's the cost of education. You got to pay the dues, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've been thinking about that a lot, actually, of what makes people not execute. So that is for my show. Honestly, people just don't make enough phone calls. If you called enough agents and you called enough property managers, you called enough and you networked with enough investors, they'll convince you. But you can't call two and be like, man, I didn't really find someone that I liked. It doesn't work. But most people right. won't call more than 10. Same with hard money. Like I literally called yeah. 50 hard money lenders, right? And that's what made it click for me. And it was only until yeah. like after call 40 that it made sense. I mean, everything's just in the reps. <sighs> and so, I don't know. And that's the hardest part. AMRAP. <laughs> you know, the 100 posts, the 100 videos, the 100 whatever it is, right? Just the more, the merrier. Um, Consistency. Mm-hmm. I think that's the common denominator. Mm-hmm. Literally for everything. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, I'm happy on that first deal, man. Super stoked about it and it set me up definitely to have some good scale in my rookie year. That is so cool. Okay. So you got that first deal. How quickly to you did the second deal? How long did it take you? Well, were you just pumped after that first rent check? Technically that first deal. So we locked up that 20% down rent ready property at the end of December. That wasn't actually our first property that we closed on though. Our bird deal was the first property we closed on. Um, we closed that hard That's money right. in two weeks. And then two days later, we closed on the next one. So technically, we went in and we bought two properties in that in, in January, not knowing anything. Um, and then we got a tenant into that rent ready one two weeks later. Rent checks started coming in. Cool. That bird deal obviously was a full like cosmetic rehab. Um, and then in March. So then the next month afterwards, I was still shopping. We brought on a partner now to because we were out of cash um, and we didn't have that much more cash. So we partnered with my wife's best friends. They were also thinking about real estate investing just because they've heard some people do it. Uh, we ended up closing on a duplex that is finally refinancing. God, next Monday, it got pushed back again. But that's another bird deal that we closed in March. Wow. Um, um, how long? When did you start that process? Was that almost a year? Uh, well, we locked in the property in February. So, for, and this is all this year, right? So, a month later, we locked in a duplex, closed it in March. Rehab took way longer than it needed to. It, it was almost five, six months into rehab. Um, I've been there. Took another, I mean, our, yeah, there's just, you know, unfortunately, our contractor just had too many projects at the time. Uh, and we weren't the big fish in the sea. Yeah. Um, yep. But it did also appraise for $25,000 higher than I estimated back in March. So Heck yeah. <laughs> I'll take that, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man, that's great. And I love that we, that we touched on how people should really get that first deal. Okay. So that's your first couple of deals in the Columbus market. Where are you at today? on 
real estate. You're only about a year in. Am I right? I am wrapping up my timeline. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And you're, are you eight doors in? Six properties, eight doors. Um, seven doors of which are long-term rentals. Um, and then one is the short-term rental soon to be launched in the Joshua Tree area. The short-term. Yes. So. Eight doors, one year. Yeah. I'm trying to make it Imagine ten. if you, you waited. <laughs> Imagine if you waited and you passed on that first deal and you were looking for that, that, per, that perfect Burr property. I think that's a great example of just jumping in. And accepting the risk and accepting that it's not going to be a home run. It's a base hit. Yeah. I mean, you know, so the best part about that first deal that where I locked in $30,000 was that a lot of people don't want to do a rehab project. I still really don't even like talking to contractors. Um, I'd rather raise money or talk to people about, you know, what the returns could be. And a lot of people are willing to go in on something turnkey. Um, and lock up 20% down. So that's what yeah. I've now done um, on, on another duplex. And we offered on another duplex this week where I'm not bringing any money. I'm not bringing the loan, but it's a turnkey property that I'm basically operating. Um, and so that's kind of, and now that I have a wow. team in place in Columbus, it's much easier for me to, to trust that team to operate those deals. And everyone still comes out with a seven, eight percent cash on cash because the net is like a fifteen percent cash on cash return, you know. So they still make seven and a half percent. I make seven and a half percent on no money in. I guess it's infinite for me. Um, just some sweat equity. Absolutely. But that's yeah. all just because I did that first twenty percent down deal and I knew how it felt. And I was able to communicate that to somebody. Yeah. It's fun. Communication, being able to deliver a clear and concise message to people and having that personal brand, <laughs> which we can talk about personal branding. So many people talk about how do I market for the perfect deal? What's the perfect list? You know, is it going to be, where do I find the motivated sellers? And I think it comes down to more importantly than finding a perfect mailing list is building your personal brand, which you have done a phenomenal job at. Thank you. You're doing great. Um, I've learned a lot from you on building a personal brand. Listen to the I listened to that podcast, by the way. And uh, I'm about to say, we're going to include it in the show notes down below. Oh. <laughs> so people can listen to that as well. Because it, it was a great podcast that I learned a ton about. And uh, if you're not building your personal brand on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, whatever it is, that is the number one way to find deals, find partnerships, find money, and really just build that social credibility. And I want to hear your take on social media. How has social media been for you? What's the ROI been like? Uh, is it worth your time to put out posts? Uh, also hosting meetups. I know you've done that as well. So let's just talk a little bit about social media and just kind of make the floor yours and you can go whatever direction you want. So Sweet, man. Well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, for anyone who's listening, the personal brand is the personal brand that I want to create for myself is I want to be a real estate investor and a marketer, right? 
uh, and in both capacities. And I want to market mm-hmm. in any sense. And I define marketing as being able to connect a product with a person, right? So whatever that is, and in whatever form they're consuming content and discovering, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, from an investor standpoint, obviously, if you're building partnerships, if you're raising capital, if whatever it is, um, you know, establishing a personal brand is important. And so, you know, as I was thinking about social media and have been thinking a lot about this personal branding thing, I think it's important for people to understand why they would want to post on social media. For me, it's selfishly because I'm also, I do full-time marketing for a winery, which means that I need to stay up on top of trends no matter what. That's for my W-2. Um, and as I want to be able to help more investors or other companies in terms of their marketing, um, and specifically digital marketing, um, I think it's important to be a user of that platform. Um, otherwise, too many people, you know, will coach uh, on business advice, but will never have you know a profitable business. The same thing on 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 the marketing side. So many people will say, oh, I can help you with marketing, but have never actually done anything marketing related. Um, so I, yeah. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that to be me. Um, and so that's on like a macro sense. And I'm like on a micro sense, dude, posting on social media has been the best thing ever. Um, one, it's helped my job. But two, people come out of the woodwork of just, hey, like, can we partner on a deal? Can we do, you know, I have, I have some extra money. I just yes. refied. I just sold this. You know, Tesla stock went to the moon and I want to cash out a little bit, but I want to park it somewhere. Those conversations, because people just see my ups and my downs and they know me and they know that I'm a regular person, not some corporate mm-hmm. entity that could potentially take their money, um, has opened yeah. up the realm of, of partnerships for sure. So you think everyone in the real estate space should be building their, their brand, their personal brand on social media right now? They should start today. I th- I don't think everyone should. I think if your goal is to be an operator and to raise money, then yes. Um, but if you're just, you know, if, if, if your goal is to just invest passively, then you don't have to. I think. Um, That's true. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure in terms of, hey, you should post, you should do this, you should do that. If your intention was to never be an operator, doesn't matter. But I think having that self-awareness early on or even just being able to figure that out for yourself mm, eventually, you know, the Gary Vee, the self-awareness part. Um, but if you do want to do that, this is the best way to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. But Josh, it's too late. Everyone's already building a social media page. Why would they want to look at my page? There's so many other pages, so many more smarter people and better looking people than me. That's true. And I think if you're making it for, (laughs) there will always be someone better looking than you. There will always be someone who can communicate better, that has a better camera, that has a better mic, that has a better whatever, right? You know, if, if, if you're already thinking about what everybody else is doing instead of what you're doing, you're automatically going to fail and it's never going to work for you. Um, And I think it's important to differentiate why you're on social media. Um, And I said this, actually, I had the opportunity to step on a soapbox on the last meetup and talk about social media. And I said just this. And I said, if if your goal is to try and reach hundreds of thousands of people, I'm sorry, I'm standing right next to Sharon, to Sean Pan's fiance. She's way better at it than me. She can reach way more people. 
<laughs> but you know what? I, because I posted on social media, my aunt says, hey, I, I've always wanted to invest, but I don't know how. But then I saw your Facebook post. And now I have the opportunity to help my aunt. Mm. Like to be able to communicate a full story and just help one person. If that's all you get is to be able to, mm. you know, help your, your family be able to invest and, and, and make more money for themselves and for everyone else around you, that's a win for me. But you have to have that mentality. Otherwise, you're always going to get caught up in the, man, that guy like got 100,000 views. Man, he has a million subs, right? You're, you're going to lose. That's a losing game. But if you're just like, if I can help one person, dude, everybody can help one person. Absolutely. Man, we could talk on social media and personal branding for hours because it's such an important and vital issue that I just, you don't hear it at the real estate seminars, at the BP cons. Nobody's talking about that. Yet the people that everybody wants to meet at these conferences, they're building their brand Mm -hmm. on social media. They're building a following. They've been building credibility over time. And something I noticed on the note of conferences and, and seminars, when I was at BPCon this year, the thing everyone was doing was, oh man, what's your Instagram? And then boom, you get to connect on social media. And then for the next year, you slowly see what this person's all about. And by the time, you know, this time next year, when you meet them again, they're like, oh my gosh, it's Josh. Like, dude, you've got all this stuff going on. And you've made that, uh, that initial marketing, you know, that touch point, right? You met them in person, you made an impression. And then for the next 12 months, you hit them with, you know, a few posts a week and just little updates. You know, it can just be documentation. It doesn't have to be TikTok dances or whatever, but you're just documenting your life and you're building that credibility amongst your peers. Mm-hmm. And there's so much power in that. And there was some people that I, that I wanted to connect with. And they're like, oh, actually, I don't have any social media. I'm like, how? <laughs> like, you're missing out like on the, the biggest ROI ever. But yeah. Yeah. I digress. No. I mean, you're at BPCon, right? People want to talk to the speakers who are at BPCon, right? Of course, right? They want to take a, a selfie with Beardy Brandon or whoever it is. I'm a, sure. I, I don't think I would ever get to the stage. Maybe I will, right? Optimistic thinking. But if I can't get to the stage, then I'll host my own stage. That's why I started my own podcast. That's why I started you know, posting on social media. That's why I started hosting events, right? Again, the rookie kid in the room hosting events like why would anyone go but a lot of people went you know which was i guess just good timing and 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 they loved it and a way of like partnering up with with other people to help kind of just bring people out um so yeah i don't know it just goes back to what your goal is though yeah start with the end goal in mind and work backwards i think that's a good way to to look at it like you said, maybe social media isn't for everyone. Maybe you don't want, want to build a brand. Maybe you want to invest passively and be off the radar and uh, you know not be in the spotlight. And that's perfectly fine. It comes down to that self-awareness like we talked about before. And that's important to be really aware, but also to be aware enough to also distinguish between, okay, are you being self-conscious or do you truly not want to get into that sphere of the online world because you're going to face criticism Mm -hmm. for every one person that likes you there's going to be 10 people that think you're an absolute idiot and you have to be comfortable with that and it's almost this this good form of exposure therapy 
because there's been plenty of times that I've posted late at night and I wake up the next morning and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. Like, what was I thinking? That's such a dumb post. But it's a great opportunity to work on yourself. And I don't know if you can agree with that. Oh, 100%. I think, I mean, there was something like, there's something very humbling about being very transparent to everybody. Um, yeah. And, you know, people think, oh, you know, I have this baggage and I'm ashamed of this. One of the hardest things that took me a long time to grapple with was, dude, you and your wife have two master's degrees. I had two other businesses. I, I, I moved back with my parents for years. Mm. Like to talk about that on social media where my work can hear it, my boss can hear it, my coworkers can hear it. Like that, like my high school friends, my college friends. I, I used to teach college classes and now I'm on social media saying, hey, I moved back with my parents. Like that was the most humbling thing ever. And to be able to get over that, yeah. like that's another video that I want to make is like if we all have these like little hidden things that we think are quirks, but could maybe end up really just really empowering you if you just embrace it. Um, Absolutely. But yes, that to get over that hump is crazy, which is also why, you know, if you don't want, mm. if you want to test it, then just go on TikTok. If you're not on TikTok already, your friends are on TikTok. Then you can be whoever you want on yeah. TikTok. And then once you get comfortable, you can really test out those new personalities. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. Kind of like you do in your first year of college, right? People are trying on a new personality. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll change their name. They got the new nickname. And I think you can kind of do that as well on social media. Mm -hmm. Man, you made so many good points. And along the note of humility, when it comes to talking about you know, maybe it's your, I'll put air quotes in there, but failures, you know, moving back with your parents and, and documenting that there's a, a special level of respect though, and being vulnerable and being honest and not acting like you have it all together and life is perfect. And ironically doing that gets you the opposite result of what you think. You know, there's going to be some people that think you are a failure, but there's going to be some people that are like, man, like Josh is so humble. Like, I really want to get to know that guy. It makes you more likable, makes you more approachable. And kind of like back to your, your friend that uh, was at CrossFit, right? If he can do it, why can't I? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And instilling that in people to, to believe in themselves. Yeah. People will scroll past, will like sniff out people who just only post the wins, right? If you're just constantly posting wins, mm. eventually nobody cares. But the respect is earned when they yeah. see how you perform when you fail, right? When something goes wrong and how you handled oh, it, yeah. that's when people actually start to respect you. Because um, the wins just, everyone posts the highlight reel and it, it, it doesn't stand out from the noise. Hmm. There's so many good clips that, can just be translated into social media little snippets i'm hoping this is recording very well because <laughs> there's a lot of little breakdowns i want to do for you and myself well thank you lots of lots of wisdom that you just spoke I'm... <laughs> okay so we're at the the 47 48 minute mark we'll try to wrap it up here in the next 10 minutes or so okay. but i could talk for a very long time so we'll wrap it up but you're at eight doors mm -hmm. and you're still in the Columbus market. Let's touch on 
the short-term rental, and then we'll talk about where you're going and just goals for the future. You chose the Joshua Tree Yucca Valley area. Why did you choose that? Um, for us, you know, one, I took on uh, a new partner for that deal that I met at a meetup. Um, and so shout out to Ash. Uh, and we chose Joshua Tree. I mean, we're looking at the smokies like everybody else. Uh, the next hottest market in the nation would probably be Joshua Tree, I guess. Um, and the smokies, we didn't see a cash on cash return that we liked. And Joshua Tree, so we thought at first minus some of this rehab and furnishing ex- expenses that we're now thinking or, you know, noticing, uh, yielded a much higher cash on cash return. We're looking, hopefully, to get a 27% cash on cash return now. Um, and it just was a, it was a higher number than the Smokies. Um, and obviously, it, it had a really high occupancy rate just because it's hot and trending right now. Um, that was really the method yeah. to the madness. Plus, zoning made it easier to figure out what was okay to zone. Um, mm-hmm. Keeping it simple. What we liked. And it's also in your home state, mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. That's actually the first property that I've ever been at that we owned. I've never been to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, wow, you've never been, ever. Nope, I have never been. No, we started in the middle of COVID. Uh, we bought... Like it was, yeah, our first property. And then like, yeah, and then COVID hit. And, and plus we had the one-year-old, you know, that's so like, we're not going to travel in the middle of COVID. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was nice to see a house. Dude, that that's awesome. <laughs> and that's a good reminder for people getting started. I think they need to travel to the market back and forth. Uh, you don't have to. Build that team. Yeah, I know nothing about construction, and I'd probably just get in the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, that's awesome. So you got the the eight doors and the short-term rental. What is next for you? Where are you headed? Yeah. What does 2022 look like for you? You know, um, well, the end of 20, it's not over yet. Um, uh, you know, maybe tease earlier that I want to try and at least make it 10 doors by the end of the year. Sure. So, um we have a couple offers out on some long-term duplexes out in Columbus, Ohio. Um, if we can get them locked up before the end of the month, we can close by December and I can make that 10 doors. Um, so awesome. there are still a lot of rent ready deals to be had uh, in the Midwest. Um, but in terms of 2022, um, I definitely would like to get at least three more short-term rentals up and running by next year. Um, and then mm-hmm. that's a great goal. What was that? That's a great goal. Yeah, I think it's it's a realistic goal. Um, it's a conservative goal, actually, I think now, too, as well. Um, but, you know, as I'm just posting, networking, and figuring out, like, who else, you know, we could potentially partnership with more, um, the opportunities just come the more you talk about it and the more experience you get. Um, and then that multifamily yeah. bug is, like everyone on short-term rentals multifamily, <laughs> that is definitely you know, something that I want to spend a lot more time seriously considering. Well, the fact that you've gone this far in 12 months is amazing. And we'll have to do an update a year from now and do the two-year update. Yeah, man. Because you're no longer a rookie. I know. That'd be the sophomore year. The the last episode I I have. So if you you know anyone who I can interview, I want to do a rookie panel interview 
uh, next month, just to kind of sum up anyone who else is in their rookie year, maybe to help motivate people next year to get started. So that's really cool. Okay. For those that really want to get started real estate investing, I have no script by the way, I'm just winging Love it. it, but I'm just kind of bouncing off what I think other podcasts sound like or should sound like anyway, <laughs> for people that want to get started, maybe they're in the Bay area. Let's say they're, they're in an expensive market and they really want to get started and they're not getting any traction. What is your advice to that person? Um, I'd say find one person who's one step ahead, who just closed their first deal, because those ones are the ones who are really going to spend or willing to spend more time with you, kind of just uncovering the ins and outs of the markets. If you try and reach, you know, reach out to someone who has 20 doors, mm-hmm. everyone's asking to pick their brains. But the one who just got started is even more excited to help other people got, get started. They know what the pitfalls are, kind of what that emotional roller coaster is, and they're fresh off that. Um, and so find 20 of those people. And talk to them, reach out to them, figure out what market they're in, why, and get their rookie story. Um, and it's just, they're just more accessible. So that's what I would say would probably be the, the first actionable step. That is really good advice. I say the same thing to people that want to network. A lot of people want to skip straight to that top dog. You know, maybe it's the Brandon Turner or whoever it is, or Grant Cardone, you know, 10X, baby. Um, I think one of the best things you can do is meet that person that's only done a couple of deals, but they have the drive and you know, like deep down in your heart that in 10 years, these people are going to be crushing it. And what a way to network, to build up relationships and good friendships on the way up that escalator with people that are going to be, you know, top dogs 10 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great advice on that. I love that. Well, thank you, man. Um, but this has been a lot of fun, Jess. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for being the first guest on my show, uh, my no-named show yet, but I will come up with a name. Lastly, where can people find out more about Joshua Baldovino? Yeah, you know what's really fun is I make it confusing because I go by Josh, but everything written down is always with the UA. Uh, but you can find me on all the social media, <laughs> whether it be YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at Josh Uwa underscore Baldovino. It's B-A-L-D-O-V-I-N-O. It means bold wine, by the way. If you're trying to get into my graces, I like cab oh, nice. and champagne, you know? So there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, if you want to follow me and connect with me, feel free to DM me and we can keep chatting. But thank you so much, Jess. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be your first guest, man. I wish you the best of luck in this podcast journey. Yes. It is, I promise you, like the most. Thank you so much eye-opening, rewarding experience ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can do good, man. I think it's a good way to add value to people as well. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I really enjoy it because I've thought for the longest time, man, I have all these great conversations. And really the, the good snippets and pieces of content come out of just having an honest and real conversation when you're vibing and chilling. You know, the, the science name for it is interpersonal neurobiology. When you get that little vibe and chill, you know, feeling like you guys are, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. And so I think this is a great way to really collect those snippets of information and uh, put it out there on social media so people can see it. Yeah, totally. But Good luck, Jess. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And that was our show with Josh Baldovino. 
Uh, gosh, Josh had such a cool story. And I think our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of the episode today. So Josh, thanks again for coming on the show. And if you're listening today, make sure you follow Josh on Instagram at Josh Baldovino. And looking forward to seeing you guys on the next one.